Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. By now you know the news, and we'll spend some time reacting to it. Obviously, Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith, dealing with some injuries here. The severity of those injuries depends on if you're talking to a reporter or if you're talking to the head coach himself, Kirby Smart. We'll dive more into that in a moment. Let me say it this way, though. You know, I'm a fan. We do the show from the perspective of a fan. I literally am someone who is happy when Georgia wins and disappointed when Georgia loses. I'm happy when there's good news for UGA, like let's say on the recruiting trail, and when there's news like what's going on with the injury situation the last couple of days and really some of the player absent stuff, you know, going back over the course of the last few weeks, Scott Cochran included, I guess, in that discussion. I'm obviously disappointed about that. That there is certainly a very large emotional component to being a fan. You're up here high when things are good. You kind of uh, drop down low when things are not quite so good, that there is just clearly kind of a wave of emotion for the good and the bad that you ride as a sports fan. We like the show for that reason because we try to reflect that. We also like sports because it gives us a chance to feel those things. I think it's good to be able to do that. However, sometimes, though, I do think it's important when you're trying to analyze something to try to take the emotion out of it. Now, we feel the emotion. We're happy with good things happen. We're not so happy when bad things happen. But in terms of analyzing what's truly going on, pulling the emotion out of it probably makes the most sense. And so today on the show, that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to analyze what it means that Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith are dealing with injuries without being too happy, you know, or, you know, too down about it, you know, you know, you know, not being a Pollyanna that doesn't pay attention to the facts on this. We're going to just try to take the emotion out of it to the very best we possibly can. Let me give you the facts first, then we'll get to some opinions after that. I'm going to read this from something I guess uh, Mike Griffith, Dog Nation, posted earlier today. The Georgia defensive back Tyke Smith and Darnell Washington underwent surgery on Wednesday. Dog Nation has learned, going to miss multiple weeks. Uh, Mike says the details of the player's surgical procedures have not been addressed by uh, the the, uh, University of Georgia, but uh, there was a statement from Georgia coach Kirby Smart, and Smart's description here kind of runs counter to what Mike and other reporters before him had reported involving the severity of the Washington situation, the Tyke Smith situation. Kirby Smart certainly has a very different way of describing this and explaining all that. It's important to give his words on this. Let me show you the statement here from Georgia coach Kirby Smart. Uh, Kirby's saying that Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith sustained foot injuries during practice this week. They're both undergoing treatment and have an excellent prognosis, he says. Their status is day-to-day. Now, one of the things I got on Twitter from a bunch of folks was, well, B.A., what does it mean that Kirby Smart's calling this day-to-day while a huge number of reporters are saying week-to-week. And listen, I'm going to let Kirby Smart's words speak for themselves on that, and I'm sure he'll be asked more about this the next time he talks to reporters on Saturday. I guess the one thing that I will point out is Kirby Smart doesn't typically release unplanned press statements for players who are fully healthy, right? You know, the idea that, oh, these guys are fine and uh, they have an excellent prognosis, they're only day-to-day. That's not the typical reason that Kirby Smart would issue a press release, a little bit of breaking with normal custom for Smart to do that. So we'll let him explain more about his position all this when he speaks on Saturday but for right now I don't have any reason to question the veracity of the reporting that's out there including from Mike Griffith that we're looking at a situation of a few weeks for Tyke Smith and Darnell Washington because of the injuries they've sustained there and so in response to all that here's what you're kind of left with you're kind of left with two distinctly different camps among Georgia fans 
on the one hand, you've got the very positive UGA fan who says, well, that's okay, next man up, you know, this is just, you know, no big deal, nothing to worry about, Georgia's going to be fine. You've got that camp on the one side. On the other side, you've kind of got the, oh, the season's over before it starts, typical Georgia, right? You've got, you know, those two distinctly different camps, and I saw a lot of this on social media, including to the people who were responding to me yesterday. It's the everything is fine, next man up, versus the season's already over, typical Georgia, seems like we've been here before. Those just uh, distinctly different camps. In fact, let me run through a few of these to kind of give you a little bit of a reflection from Georgia fans on the far one end, Georgia fans on the far other end, Georgia fan kind of in the middle. And, you know, these three messages I'm going to read to you, I would say are fairly well encompassing the the different subgroups that Georgia fans kind of put themselves in yesterday. Can we run through some of these here for a moment? Uh, GA Dog 2018 writes in to say, as I mentioned before, next man up. Uh, what is all the hype about all these great recruits if they aren't going to step up when needed? Man up, be a team player, take that position yourself. If you're a true dog, prove it. Now is the time to shine, he says. That's Georgia Dog 2018 on Twitter. Let me show you the uh, next one here for a moment. Uh, Ronald, a guy who calls himself Ed OG on Twitter says this entire offseason, your show has been about predicting great things from this uh, team due to its quarterback, the bevy of playmakers, and the skill positions. Well, B.A., we're getting thin in that department right now. Nobody can deny that. He says great and, in parentheses, available playmakers predict success in college football. That's a little bit more of a realistic appraisal on this. And accidentally, it's the same one twice. But somebody else also said, you know, this kind of thing seems to happen to Georgia virtually every single year. Uh, that's, you know, virtually, you know, kind of the the you know situation that you kind of find yourself in Georgia fans sort of on all sides of all of this and listen if you don't hear anything else that I say the rest of the day I'm hopeful that you're kind of able to hear this whether it be the Georgia fan who kind of thinks the season's already done the Georgia fan who thinks man we're really getting thin at the playmaking positions after some of the news that's broken out over the course of the last couple of weeks or if you're the Georgia fan who says, next man up, elite recruiting classes stacked year after year after year, this is not going to be a problem. No matter which of those camps you find yourself in, the actual truth of the situation is, is that nothing about the recent collection of Georgia injuries or player absences, if you want to talk about Eric Gilbert here for a moment, none of that makes the upcoming season, including the season opener against Clemson, any easier to predict. It's not one of those things where you say, well, now that Georgia has these injuries, they're definitely not beating Clemson, and who knows what they're going to be able to do after that. Frankly, all of that is still just as much up in the air now as it was before. Now, that may not seem true today. Emotion on one side or the other may make you feel one thing or the next. But the truth is the game against Clemson was already very much in doubt before this injury news. It's a tough opponent. Anything can happen. And now that George has dealt with these injuries, the same situation is kind of true. Let me give you a couple of recent examples from George's past for a moment. Sometimes when injuries pile up, they do turn out to be pretty devastating. Last year in 2020, as a for instance, on this, you know, in the aftermath of the Kentucky game, it's Jordan Davis who's dealing with an injury, uh, Richard LeCount who's dealing with a very serious situation. George Pickens was out, not able to play. And a lot of Georgia fans were left to say, man, these injuries are really piling up for UGA. This is probably going to be a real problem for Florida and maybe the rest of the season there as well. And it turns out, unfortunately, in that particular case, it kind of was true. 
all those injuries added together, adding the uncertainty at quarterback last season too, and that was kind of a lot for Georgia to overcome. In that particular instance, the common assumption the injuries would be bad for UGA turned out to be correct. However, that's not always the case. In 2017, Georgia lost its starting quarterback in the first game of the season. A former five-star Gatorade Player of the Year in Jacob Eason, and yet in his stead steps in Jake Fromm, who has one of the best freshman seasons that any Georgia quarterback has had, and obviously led Georgia to an SEC championship to the college football playoff along the way. That's kind of an unexpected positive to come out of what at face value seemed like a pretty negative injury situation. Go back to 2014 here for a moment there as well. Not initially related to injury, it was initially related to suspension, but when Todd Gurley was going to miss time for Georgia, there was this thought of, well, that's the end of Georgia's running game effectiveness. No Todd Gurley is going to be a huge problem for UGA. But many of you are old enough to remember what happened after that, though. Nick Chubb stepped in for Todd Gurley as a freshman and went on to have arguably the best single season any Georgia running back has ever had, not named Herschel Walker. That sometimes injuries do work out to kind of be the way that you think they're going to be. And it does end up being a really bad thing for a team, especially when a lot of them pile up together. In other cases, teams have a way of just kind of shaking that off and somebody who does step in, taking the next man up idea just that that much further, sometimes that guy does step up there in, in that situation. And let me say one more thing about this. And, you know, maybe this means something to you, maybe it doesn't. One of the things I'm always fascinated by are point spreads and gambling lines and, and, and the whole line of thought in the betting industry because – I think what it stands as, as a very strong check against whatever our emotional reaction for the positive or the negative might be for the team that we love. Gamblers, at least the good ones, have to eliminate all of that, and they have to have a much more level-headed view of things. And here's the thing you need to understand, that outside the bubble of Dog Nation, outside people like me who obsess over this for a living, talking about it on the show, and um, many of you who obsess over this as kind of a hobby or a pastime, you love Georgia football, we all do, people who don't feel quite as connected to this they're not obsessing over these George injuries, even though they're kind of piling up. They're not obsessing over these as, as much as you might think, because you might think some of you have even said this to me directly on Twitter. Well, B.A., now that George has had all these injuries, there's no chance that George is going to be Clemson. But if that was really true, if it was really the case that Georgia had no chance to be Clemson, then wouldn't the point spread reflect that for that game on September 4th against the Tigers? Wouldn't we already see some line movement in favor of UGA? I checked this before the show today. Our friends at BetUS, they currently have Clemson as a three-point favorite over UGA. That's pretty much where it's been for most of the summer, although slightly higher in some cases, three and a half, four, four and a half at a certain point in time. For right now, Clemson's just a three-point favorite, not a touchdown favorite. That might change, but it hasn't changed right now. Now, your response back to that might be to say, well, B.A., these lines aren't moving right now. It's the summertime. The uh, week of the game, Georgia's going to shoot up to a to a seven-point underdog or, or, or more. Uh, these injuries will, will factor in at that point in time, and, and Clemson will even be a bigger favorite than they are now. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's what happens. But let me remind you this. When Miami and Alabama opened, when that line first opened, that's a week one game there as well, Alabama was about a 13-point favorite over Miami. But if you look to try to bet that game right now at BetUS or anywhere else that you might go, what you actually see now is Alabama's more like a 19-point favorite. That game went from like 13 to 14 to 15 to up to 16, then up to 18, and that's in a lot of places like kind of up to 19. That professional bettors, big money bettors, saw a line they thought was soft, 
Miami, not uh, a big enough underdog there in that game. And they hammered Alabama on that point spread to the point now where the lines essentially moved six points in the direction of Alabama. So these early summer lines can move. There can be some movement. There just hasn't really been any yet for Georgia and Clemson. That Georgia was about a three-point underdog or so uh, before all this happened against Clemson. And in the aftermath of all these injuries, it's the same situation. Georgia, a slight underdog with still very much a chance to win. That doesn't seem true today because emotion kind of gets in the way. But it actually is true. The season for Georgia is still very difficult to predict. Georgia could run the table, win the national championship. Georgia could disappoint against Clemson and maybe fall short of its end-of-season goals there as well. Everything that was on the table for Georgia before all of this has happened remains on the table now. Has it gotten a little bit harder for those of us who are obsessed over this topic? certainly seems like that's the case. But to the people who are viewing this for from 10,000 feet above... Really, not all that much has changed. And in this particular case, paying attention to those who don't feel quite so much emotion about this, that actually might be a pretty smart thing to do. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Merriweather and Tharp, and glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the page of dognation.com right there at the top. That's a lot of fun on the Dog Nation app now there as well. I told you guys we're going to be rolling out a bunch of new platforms, and I believe we're in, I think they call this beta testing. Uh, we're beta testing the show on the app. A lot of you like to do that. So uh, a lot of your big consumers of our Dog Nation app. So watching this show on the Dog Nation app just seems like a reasonable next step, and we're happy to be able to do that with you here today. Of course, podcasts on all the platforms, Apple, Spotify, everything else. Radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. Lots of ways for you to get in touch with us, and uh, we're just happy that you are. And we couldn't do any of this. You know, nice studio, big streaming platforms, people to make it all work. We couldn't do this without those who make this show possible. Of course, you for tuning in each and every day, but also our friends at Merriweather and Tharp, our sponsor for today's show, your source for Georgia divorce. Now, some of y'all said on Monday when I was wearing the suit and tie that I looked like I ought to be working for Merriweather and Tharp. The good news is they are suited and booted every day, ready to do hard work for you. And maybe one of these days I can uh, do some of that kind of stuff. For now, I'm going to sit here and talk football. But uh, because, listen, the folks at Merriweather and Tharp, they're experts in their domain, which is handling your divorce situation. And the unfortunate fact is some of you are going through this and the thing that you know and this is not up for dispute that having a strong advocate on your side during that situation really matters to help explain how the law works for you or can work against you if you're not paying attention to what's going on that's why you got to have somebody that's been through this kind of thing thousands of times before to help you with the financial implications your family implications involving your children of course one of the most important things you'll ever have to uh, go through and you will certainly want to make sure everything is all the way it's supposed to be when it comes to that that's what Meriwether and Tharp can do for you go to uh, the Atlanta divorce team.com that's the website the Atlanta divorce team.com take advantage of all their free resources set up your initial consultation and then make that decision put them to work for you set yourself up so the next season of your life can be much more enjoyable that's what my friends at Meriwether and Tharp can do for you your source for Georgia divorce find them online at the Atlanta divorce team.com all right coming up in just a couple of minutes we'll talk to Terrence Edwards here on a Thursday that is always a very important conversation for us because Terrence got great insight on UGA we will ask him today about someone that uh, he obviously knows very well someone that he's trained and worked with someone that Terrence has been a mentor for that's the uh, wide receiver at Georgia pass catching target if you will Eric Gilbert the current situation with Gilbert from Terrence's perspective we'll let him tell us about that here coming up in a moment before that though I do want to go around the doghouse and it's presented today by serve pro and So what I said a moment ago was that 
the situation for Georgia hasn't changed as much as some fans think. That the season's actually not any easier to predict now than it was before. Game one against Clemson, even though it doesn't seem like that to a lot of people, it's not any easier to predict week one against Clemson on September 4th than it was before. That the game was always going to be difficult for Georgia to win. It remains difficult for Georgia to win. Georgia's chances of winning the game haven't been greatly altered, even though the long list of injuries kind of pile up. No guarantee that Georgia will win, but certainly not a guarantee that Georgia wouldn't win. If it was, people would be lining up to bet Clemson, and as of right now, on the basis of the point spreads as we can see them, that's not really happening, and so that's important to point out. However, I don't want to downplay what has happened at Georgia over the course of the last couple of weeks. Certainly, and this is where the emotion creeps back in a little bit, that when bad news piles up, it's it's just hard to deal with. And it seems like there's been a lot of this lately where it's like, you know, the initial report is oh, everything's going to be fine. Uh, you know, tiny little thing, no big deal. And then later on, it's a it's a re-upping of the reporting. No, actually, it's turned out it's probably a little bit more severe than it was initially thought. It seems like there's been a lot of that lately, too, which is kind of hard on some fans. I, I totally get all of that. But as we're around the doghouse here presented by Serve Pro, I want to kind of see if I can lay out my opinion on this. And I'm actually curious what some of you think about this. When you look at some of the recent absences for Georgia, either because of injury or personal issues, whatever else, I've tried to rank the ones in terms of the impact on the field for Georgia, especially the beginning of the season, because you do play a perennial playoff team like Clemson. I've tried to rank the ones that I think kind of matter the most here for Georgia in the early going. Now, the names you're not going to see here, we can hold off on that one second. Let me just set this up. The names you're not going to see here are guys like George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock, guys who've been now gone for a while. And Blaylock, hopefully they, you know, will, will be back at Georgia you know, at some point in time. But at the early portion of the season, not expected to be a factor. So some of the guys whose injuries were a little longer, certainly George Pickens especially, those names aren't factoring this discussion. These are recent developments for Georgia. And what I've done is I've tried to rank the absences for Georgia in the order of what matters the most, I believe, for Clemson. Believe it or not, you know, Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith, big names, they actually don't rank at the top of my list. Let me show you what my list is. And this is just my opinion. You can make your own list. But as a way of having this conversation, here's how I rank them. Coming in at number four on the list, I have Eric Gilbert. Now, Eric Gilbert, from a talent standpoint, he may rank number one in the entirety of the Georgia roster. But given the fact that he just got to UGA, he's learning a new position, learning a new system, learning to be a part of a new team. We had said before that that we thought there was going to be an acclimation process for Gilbert at UGA. In fact, even Terrence Edwards, who knows Gilbert very well, has said in the past, hey, you know, temper expectations early for a young man who's got a lot to learn. So we wish Gilbert well. We believe he'll be back at George at some point in time. But while he's gone, we're going to rank him fourth on the list of current absences and how they impact UGA. Above that, we have Tyke Smith at number three. Smith was obviously going to play a very specific role for Georgia. Georgia thin at the defensive back position. Smith played like an All-American a year ago. He was brought here for a reason, that is to be a plug-and-play starter. His absence for Georgia will be felt, but only number three on this list. At number two, I have Darnell Washington. My reason for ranking Washington ahead of Smith and Gilbert is because you've heard me say this before, that I actually believe that Darnell Washington was likely to be, and we'll see how this injury prognosis changes all that, but prior to the injury, I had Washington as one of Georgia's three or four top pass catchers this season. I thought he was going to be, and 
you know, we'll, we'll see if this changes. But my initial prognosis was that Washington was going to be one of the most important pass catching targets for uh, JT Daniel. So you have to acknowledge that things are getting more difficult for UGA if Washington's not available for a few weeks, as has been reported. So I'm actually going to rank the loss of Washington ahead of Tyke Smith and ahead of Eric Gilbert right now for what it means to UGA. But number one on my list for now, while he's not there, I actually have the injury that we were talking about, you know, a week or so ago, and that's the center Warren Erickson. This, to me, of all the recent dis- discussions we've had about who's not here, Erickson, to me, is the one that matters more than anything else. And the reasons why, I could obviously spot off my reasons, but I think it makes a lot more sense to hear Kirby Smart himself talking about the importance of the center position. My reasoning for ranking Erickson's absence ahead of the other guys is almost based solely on some of the stuff that Kirby Smart said last Saturday. Here is the UGA coach. You know, with Warren Erickson being out, we've worked Jamari and Van Pram both with the ones at center, which has allowed us to work other tackles. Roderick has worked at tackle with Jamari bumping inside some, and Truss has been able to work some at tackle and guard. Marius has been able to work at tackle alongside Warren McClendon. Center is one of those positions that you can't play with. You better have a center because the play doesn't get started without that. So Blasky has worked there. Uh, Jared Wilson's even worked there some. But primarily it's been Jamari and uh, Van Pran as we work to get Warren back. So apart from the names that are rotating, what Smart says there, center is one of those positions you don't want to play with, you don't want to mess with. It is in a lot of ways the engine that makes an offense run, or maybe better said it's like the oil that makes the engine run as efficiently and smoothly as it possibly could. Center a very important position, and so as we're making sense of, uh, of all that's going on for UGA, I'd say finding that capable replacement for Erickson until he's back 100% healthy actually might rank ahead of the other guys, even though in cases like Darnell Washington and, and Eric Gilbert, you're talking about much higher-rated recruits. I think the Erickson absence for Georgia right now might actually rank near the top of that list. It's around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServPro. And listen, if you're a homeowner, you want to make sure you know the name ServPro here because one of the things that eventually you will deal with if you haven't dealt with before is some sort of damage. And it's commonly caused by like water intrusion or in, in worst-case scenario, sometimes fire, things like that. When you see your most important asset, something you probably have a stronger emotional connection to than anything else, your home, when you see that damage, that can be a a really difficult thing to deal with. That's where my friends at ServPro can step in. Their restoration specialists can get that damage at your home back to new, literally like it never happened. That is what ServPro's been doing for a long time. Uh, Of course, all their franchises are independently owned and operated. It means you're doing business with someone who cares about their business and cares about your home. You're getting that personal touch. The service comes uh, from that. So if fire or water damage strikes for you, you can call on ServPro to help you immediately. They will literally get you back to new like it never even happened. So check them out online. It's ServPro.com. For those of you radio podcasts, let me spell this out for you. It's S-E-R-V, ServPro.com. Great to have them as a part of Around the Dog Gospel this year today. Great to have all of you with us here, too. Before we're done, JT Daniels, ESPN, has touted him in a very interesting way, and I'll tell you more about that. But for now on the recent injuries at UGA, everything else going on around the program. Always great to get a chance to talk to the terrific former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards, and good to have all of you with us here today on Dog Nation Daily as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Terrence Edwards' opinion always means a lot to us because he's been on the field, he's done it at a very high level, he's working as a coach now, both at the high school level and as an individual coach level. 
really no one's closer to the game than someone like Terrence. And so on days like this, in which, you know, George is trying to sift through some bad news here, someone like Terrence to provide some perspective, I think is incredibly valuable there. Terrence, let me uh, start with this, if you don't mind. When you have a Darnell Washington injury and a Tyke Smith injury to go along with, you know, already a huge crop of Georgia receivers who are kind of on the mend here, some of them moving maybe a little bit more quickly in that regard than others. I think some fans are left to wonder, has Georgia done something to cause this? Has the way that Kirby Smart has led the program done something to cause this? Is there something that Georgia could have done, in other words, differently to prevent these kinds of things from happening more? You've played as a player, you've been hurt, you've recovered from injuries, you're around football all the time now. What what do you say about this? Is this something that teams can do better at others than preventing, or is this just kind of the bad luck that sometimes shows up on a football team? I just think it's the the bad luck. I think uh, I've been to practice plenty of times, and Kirby is not doing anything differently than any other college coach, high school coach, youth league coach is doing. He's working his players uh, very hard, trying to get the best out of them every day. And you look at the Darnell Washington and Tariq Smith, I think they have broken toes or whatever. So I don't know what you could do about that. Maybe someone stepped on their foot wrong. Maybe they cut wrong. It's just one of those things that happen. That's, that's football. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that, you know, we're not talking about, you know, the kind of like you know, tendon strength or anything like that. We're talking about a toe. And while I wasn't at practice, don't know what happened. Um, I mean, it's very common this time of year as you're kind of getting your timing down and guys are getting used to playing together. I mean, guys do get stepped on and it stinks. It's bad luck. I mean, Luke Doty, the South Carolina quarterback, I'm pretty sure about this. Don't quote me on this, I guess. But I believe that his injury is also because of the fact that his foot got stepped on. I believe it was a quarterback center exchange. And I think he got stepped on, you know, coming out of that, you know, taking that snap. A big offensive lineman steps on you, that's going to hurt. And it can lead to a, a broken toe. Once again, I was at the Georgia practice. I, I can't give you an eyewitness account for how those toe things went down or foot things went down. But I have been around enough football to know that those kinds of things just sort of happen. And I don't know how you tell somebody, hey, don't go out there and step on somebody's foot because the fact of the matter, Terrence, and you know this, that's not what they're trying to do anyway. I mean, you know, th- these are these are accidents, right? And you can't fully prevent that kind of thing from occurring, I don't think. Oh, you can't. The only way you can prevent those is if you don't practice. And that's not going to happen. You know, Kirby is trying to uh, take these guys to a level that they uh, don't even know they have. I've been to practice fast, paces, upbeat. Uh, but that is no different than in the other college program right now that's trying to get the best out of their players. And stepping on someone's foot happens every play. I mean, I got my toenail kicked off for someone stepping on my foot, uh, cutting wrong, and just jamming your feet on every play. That just happens. That's football. And I don't think there's anything any football coach in America could do to change that. And I think you bring up a really good point because, let's face it, at the NFL right now, at least I'm told, I haven't been to an NFL practice in a couple of years, but what I'm told is these NFL teams now, in a lot of cases, almost aren't practicing, at least the way that we used to think of practice and certainly the way you would compare it to the college level. NFL practices are a lot less physical than they used to be. But Terrence, in many cases, we're talking about guys in their late 20s or early 30s who've been around football for such a long time that they are fully trained, and maybe at that point they don't need practice. I mean, Julio Jones, I don't know when the last time he's even practiced was. It seems like it's been a long time because by the time you get to a certain level of your professional career, you don't have to do that anymore, maybe. But the college players, the 18, the 19-year-olds that we're talking about, they aren't as well-developed as that. And so for some people, I do think they might say, well, 
all college teams just need to practice less hard because you don't want to risk these preseason injuries. But Terrence, I'm not sure you, me, or anybody else wants to watch the brand of football that would be televised on Saturdays from teams that are practicing less hard than they do now because for most of these, practice, for most of these players, practice is where they get better, right? Almost oh, definitely. There's no college coach in America is going to uh, take the, the role of the NFL layout. NFL has a PA that has a union that negotiates what you can and can't do. And, and quite frankly, the uh, NCAA only allows 20 hours a week where the NFL is a job. So you have more meeting time, you have more walkthrough time, you just have more mental uh, time to do where the college is. You, you honor a microscope and honor a time limit uh, every week to uh, get under. If you don't, it's a penalty. In the NFL, you can stay there all day if you need be. Uh, there's no time constraints to how long you can bear the facility. So, um, yes, the, the game has changed. I was speaking with someone yesterday about the difference in training camps when I played in the professional ranks and when what they're doing now. And even when I was in the professional ranks, when I got later in my career, I didn't practice as much uh, because I didn't yeah. need to. Yeah. I've been doing it for a long time. So, um, no, you know, this is this is college football. This is what we sign up for, and it, it's never going to change. I think that's really important. One of the things I tried to mention before you joined us was the idea that I don't know how much has really changed for Georgia because of these injuries and player absences and the things that have kind of piled up here because the fact of the matter is Clemson week one was a very difficult game to predict before this. The season after that is actually somewhat difficult to predict, and I think that's still true even with these injuries that – most people kind of outside the bubble of where we're sitting in the heart of dog nation, they'll still think of Georgia as a championship contender. They'll expect, they'll still expect to be see UGA very much, you know, fighting for everything it has against Clemson. You can't say Georgia's definitely going to win that game, but these injuries also don't mean you can say that Georgia's definitely going to lose that game. I think the actual overall outlook for Georgia has actually probably changed less than some fans think, even with all this bad news that seems to be piling up. What do you make of that right now? I just think, uh, you know, injuries are part part of the game. And we got a, a opponent that is a worthy opponent in the first game, and I think a lot of Georgia fans are just ready for something good to happen to their Georgia football team. And I get it. I understand. Um, but this is why we've been one of the highest teams in the recruiting battles lately. Uh, we've been in the top five for the last how many years? So the, the next man just going to have to step up. We recruit this guy, whoever that that player is for a reason and we just got to be uh be happy that georgia and their coaches brought these players here for a specific reason and that's for to add depth and they're talented players yes they may not be as good as the player that is in front of them but they're going to go in there they're going to put the best 11 players on the field offensively defensively and special teams I'm sure you've been asked about this a million times in the last few days, but you spoke out the other day on social media in a message that I think a lot of folks took to be a reference to the fact that Eric Gilbert is away from Georgia right now dealing what has been called a personal issue. And, you know, Terrence, I think the people in our audience, you're know, trying to strike the balance of, hey, you know, let's give Gilbert the space that he needs to work through all of this. But there's also just naturally speaking a, a really good natured, you know, desire to you know, know what's going on there and, and, and to hear good news about him feeling better and, and, you know, maybe being on his way back to football at some point in time. You know, I'm going to respect your relationship with him, but what can you tell us about what's going on with Gilbert right now? Well, there's not much uh, I can or will say on his uh, 
situation that's going on right now. But just my biggest issue is with a lot of people in the dog nation just feel entitled to know what's going on with the young man. The young man is dealing with a situation, and it's none of anybody's business of what's going on. Coach Smart told everyone it's a personal issue, and I just wish people just don't feel entitled to know because he is a Georgia player, feel entitled to know what's going on with this young man. The man needs your prayers and positivity. He doesn't need all the speculations and rumors that is just not true about the young man. And if it, I have had to bite my tongue a few times this week uh, on social media just because of uh, a very select few fans. But all I just ask for everyone, just to pray for the young man. Yeah. And just whenever he's back, just let's cheer him on then. But other than that, all this other stuff is just how, I mean, he has a mother, he has a brother, he has a grandmother. How do you think they feel about reading all this, knowing that their 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 child is uh, in desperate need of just prayer and positivity? And that bothered me a lot this week. And I was just ready to come on this week to just, just get that message out to people. Just send a man your love and prayers and not all this other next man up crap. Like, just, he's a person at the end of the day. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, very well said. And, you know, Terrence, you're an interesting person in these kinds of conversations because you're a, a, a former player. You're also very involved in the media there as well. And I'm sure it must be incredibly frustrating for you when you do see things reported. And that's, this is not a new thing. You know, there's been stuff over the course of the last few months that I think on this show we were pretty critical of because we just didn't really feel like there was any proof to to justify some of the things that are being said. And because Gilbert has chosen to be somewhat private and – you know, because he's kind of chosen to just kind of live his own life and not worry too much about what the media world may be saying about him, it almost seems like it gives license to certain people to just say whatever they want to say. And as someone like you kind of has a foot in two worlds, the world of a player, the world of someone in the media, I'm, I'm guessing that must be pretty frustrating for you at times. It does. It does. You know, I'm, you know, just being a player and just understanding, you know, what we signed up for. And I, I get that. We, we signed up to be scrutinized we sign up to be uh publicly talked about uh but just in this type of situation i just wish someone just had empathy and sympathy for a young man even if it's eric or anyone else about a personal issue that he needs to take care of his family is there with him but we just don't need negativity and just anyone to write things that's not true about the young man when he's dealing with issues bigger than football no, I think that's well said, and your perspective on this uh, certainly matters, and I know you'll pass along to him the fact that there's a lot of folks in Dog Nation really rooting for him to to feel better again and and get what he needs, whatever you know that might be. Uh, obviously, you know he, he's, he's going to be in the, the, the prayers of so many of us. Let me finish on a happy note before we uh, go here. You had a great tweet the other day kind of shouting out um, a guy that you know well, Lad McConkey, who seems to be earning some buzz here during this uh, camp right now. And I, I just wondered if you'd spend just a quick second on that because it sounds like you know a lot of guys working to try to earn what they you know uh, can get as far as playing time. And it seems like McConkey may be one of those guys taking full advantage of his opportunity right now. I was hoping you might bring some of what you tweeted on the air here as far as you know, kind of uh, some of what you're hearing about McConkey and some of what he's doing with the chance that he's got right now. Like I tweeted yesterday, Ladd is going to have a role on this team. Uh, he really uh, took advantage of uh, Kier's Jackson being out with the with knee injury, so Dominique Blaylock is not being there right now fully. 
in the full, full capacity. So Ladd is taking taking advantage of his opportunity. And I, and I think a lot of people kind of rolled their eyes and wonder what Georgia was doing when they signed, signed Ladd coming out. And I started working with him, and I was very impressed the first day. He's a natural catcher. And the word that comes out that Georgia locker room is he's tough and he's not scared of anybody. So he's going to go out there, and maybe it's the punt returner. I know he's doing some – Work a lot of work with the special teams, but I think he's going to have a role offensively at some point. Never think he's probably going to be the superstar, but he's going to be this very consistent player that's going to help Georgia win games and make plays one day. Terrence, great stuff. Thanks for being here, and of course, uh, you've done so much great work for so many players throughout the years, and you continue to do that right now. We got high school season getting going. Uh, Corky Kell last night, and games continuing now over the course of the next few days, really the next few months after that. For people who want to be better at their craft, catching footballs, uh, how can they get in touch with you and get some of the personal training that you've been offering now for a number of years? Oh, you can find me on all social media at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Terrence, good stuff. Thanks for your uh, insight here today. We'll look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I think that's all really very well said by Terrence Edwards. I think it's an important perspective. And, you know, we say this all the time. And, and listen, you know, it feels like I've said this a lot on the show lately that um, you know, we got to do operate on, like, parallel tracks, right? It's like, on the one hand, this is a football show about a football team for fans of that team. And, you know, most of the players and coaches that are part of this, most of the people who are watching and listening to us right now don't know personally. And so... You know, their interest in all of this doesn't really extend beyond much the actual results on the field. And, you know, that's just, to a degree, human nature. However, because college football is so unique, and this is one of the things that makes college football special, this isn't a professional athlete who lives in some gated community with a gate around the gate and then, you know, uh, you know that's totally inaccessible. Most of the guys who play college football went to a high school that you may have gone to. They grew up down the street from where you might have lived. And, you know, these are not inaccessible people. I mean, there are a lot of people who are listening and watching us right now that when it comes to college football that actually do have some sort of connection. They do understand the players that put this uniform on, the coaches that put that uniform on. They are real people. And so when something comes up that's been described as a personal matter or a personal issue, you know, I do think we have an obligation to kind of satisfy both sides of that discussion. On the one hand, Fans want to know, what does this mean for my team? On the other hand, the person that's impacted is a real person with with feelings and, and hopes and dreams and everything else. And when someone like Terrence can help describe that, I think that's a pretty valuable aspect and all that. So I was glad he did that. Let me also just say this one more thing there as well, very quickly. And then we'll move on with our SEC through here. Terrence also brings up that something's really important. That when you have the great recruiting success that George has had, you create an opportunity where hopefully you can weather some of these kinds of injuries, the ones that we talked about yesterday with uh, Tyke Smith and Darnell Washington, you're able to, to, to absorb them a little easier. You know, I've said for years, the number one kind of idea I have about roster management is that numbers are more important than names. That if you have a large number of potential competitors for playing time, you can better weather the natural attrition that comes through football because it is a violent sport where where injuries do take place that if you fall in love with one name and say oh tyke smith because he's a former all-american he's going to come to georgia be the savior of the program i think you're setting yourself up for disappointment when you obsess over a name it's really about putting your faith in the numbers the total number of potential playmakers in offense or strong contributors on defense and if you have a large enough number 
then you can survive the attrition that might come your way because of all of that. Let me give a quick shout out to my friends at Marco's Pizza heading towards the weekend. Start thinking about great, great savings at Marco's. Good pizza at a great price. How about a large one-topping pizza right now for just $9.99? That's as good as it gets right there. You can use the Marco's app or marcos.com for all of that. Three fresh signature cheeses, all the authentic toppings that go along with that. Pizza lovers get it. Of course, participation may vary and additional restrictions might apply, but check out the Marco's app or marcos.com for a lot more details on that. But that Nick Saban gave a very revealing interview to ESPN, which I think is uh, pretty interesting, uh, saying that he doesn't like the idea that conference champions could automatically get a bid into the college football playoff. Uh, he also says that it seems like to him that the college football world is heading towards a more NFL-type model. He tells ESPN that college football is for guys to get an education. The more we pay players, the less sports we're going to have. If we start paying players instead of uh, having 21 sports, we're going to have nine. There will be no uh, you know, golf team, track team, uh, then you're eliminating opportunities for people in non-revenue sports. And I know that kind of old-fashioned viewpoint that that college sports still serves the players that play it. That's not very fashionable right now. But I think that Saban is uh, mostly right about that. He also talks about when it comes to Oklahoma and Texas being in the SEC, when you look at our league expanding, this is to ESPN once again, you're going to play more good teams in our league. You're going to have to lose more games. How does that affect people getting the playoff? It's a very important question. This, I think, is a welcome change or a needed change for college football. No matter what the current college football playoff selection committee says about valuing tough schedules, what they really value are pretty records. Teams that have 12-0 records or 11-1 records just get the benefit of the doubt regardless of the schedule they played as long as they're playing in one of these main Power 5 leagues. And I think that Saban's opening the door here for what needs to be a more important conversation that playing a tough schedule and winning some good games is more important than avoiding losses. And really, if I was kind of czar of college football, that's the way I think it should have always been. Count your good wins and don't necessarily obsess over the the, the number of losses that you have. That's where the NFL essentially works right now, right? It's like, you know, you just got to have enough wins to get into the tournament, and then it's what you do after that that matters. College football has always had this fetish over a zero in the loss column or only a one in the loss column. And I think that's always been a setback for the sport. It's prevented teams from wanting to schedule as tough opponents as they could. And, you know, overall, I think the sport has suffered because of that. So I think that Saban's words right there are actually somewhat interesting. We'll move on with our SEC through here now and talk about a couple of other uh, topics here for a moment. Speaking of Alabama, there's been a good bit of trolling the last couple of days. I want to show you this tweet from Alabama on the screen. It got some attention. The fact that they are releasing some tickets for a, for a game in which the road opponent didn't buy up all the tickets they were supposed to buy. What Alabama says here on Twitter is, just released due to visiting team returns. Tickets are now on sale for Alabama football's homecoming game against Tennessee on October 23rd. And, of course, a lot of uh, Alabama fans were mocking Tennessee for not showing up for the game. Dan Wolken from USA Today said on Twitter, that I know people's going to dunk on Tennessee fans for this, but honestly not going to Tuscaloosa to watch that game is probably the most rational thing Tennessee fans have done in a generation. Of course, Wilkins had a long-time feud with Tennessee fans because of some of Wilkins' disgraceful reporting during the time in which uh, John Curry was stepping down as Tennessee athletic director and Greg Schiano was almost hired. But uh, nonetheless, Wilkins weighing in on you know some of the situation there involving uh, Tennessee not buying on tickets for Alabama. Listen, if you're if if you're Josh Heupel, and we talked about this yesterday on SEC Country Live. You've got to make this game matter again, right? I mean, and you got to pretend that it matters. And when Heupel's been asked about this before, he's essentially, you know, 
basically pretended like that the Alabama game was just another game they were playing. He acknowledges it's a rivalry, but saying, hey, we're going to try to judge ourselves week to week and not on the basis of just one game. And I understand why that sounds good to coaches, and that's the kind of coach speak that they you know, typically like to give you. But the truth is, is if Heupel's not more competitive against Alabama, he's going to get fired anyway. So you might as well acknowledge it. And if I was Heupel and I had a chance to speak through a microphone using the media to reach my fans, I mean, I think I might try to flex a little bit and say, hey, you know, our goal is to make the third Saturday in October matter again. And listen, you can be honest and say it may not happen this year, but it's going to happen sooner than some of those folks in Tuscaloosa might think. And everybody will laugh at you. But the truth is, if you go out there and get your brains beat in, they're going to laugh at you anyway. So why not take that challenge head on? I think more coaches should do something like that. I don't think Hypo really is. It's one of the reasons why I question his outlook there as Tennessee coach, because you've got to embrace the challenge. Otherwise, you're going to be in the same graveyard of coaches that Jeremy Pruitt and Butch Jones and Derek Dooley and guys like that are in. So interesting to see how Hypo handles all that. By the way, speaking of another first-year coach in a similar situation, and the media that covers that team not necessarily making it any easier. So where Philip Marshall, who covers uh, Auburn for 24-7 sports, has predicted that he thinks that Auburn will beat either Georgia or Alabama here in year one. And what's funny about that is, is to the average person, the Georgia part may sound easier because, you know, Alabama's Alabama. But for Auburn, beating Alabama has been way easier than beating Georgia has been, as strangely as it might sound. You know, the last two times Alabama's come to Jordan-Hare Stadium, they have lost that game. And what, uh, Gus Malzahn, over the course of his tenure as Auburn coach, dating back to 2013, actually beat Alabama three times. By comparison, I mean, uh, Auburn almost never beats Georgia, did do it in 2017. But other than that, boy, you know, you talk about the last – way before Gus Malz on everything else, there's just not a lot of um, not a lot of success for Auburn against Georgia. So it's kind of funny, Philip Marshall writing some checks here that brand new coach Brian Harson may have some difficulty cashing, but it also speaks to, remember we talked about the Athlon Sports College Football Preview Magazine uh, back in the summer of folks saying that the lack of success against a team like Georgia, one of the main reasons Gus Malzahn's not there anymore, but the truth is, Comparatively speaking, Brian Harson would have to work really hard to even be as good against rivals as Malzahn was. Malzahn did beat Alabama in his first year as Auburn head coach, the kick six game that everybody remembers from 2013. So once again, for a guy like Brian Harson, a big, big challenge awaiting him, you know, this year. And for a guy from Boise who's, you know, not really all that well versed in what the SEC culture is all about. You wonder how much of a culture shock this is going to be. The bar by Gus Malzahn is actually set a little higher than some people might realize. And by the way, the overall outlook for Auburn, very tough schedule. Their over-under is only about six and a half right now. There are a lot of losable games in that schedule and a big challenge all the way around when it comes to Brian Harson there at Auburn. We will make that your SEC through. And the time we have left here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, I want to kind of circle back on what we talked about off the top of the program, but take a slightly different tact on this. So I've told you before that I actually don't think the injury situation for Georgia necessarily impacts the end-of-season results as much as you might think. And I gave you examples of sometimes, like 2020, injuries piling up ends up to be as bad as you think it might. Other times in Georgia football history, recent Georgia football history, Georgia has been more easily able to overcome all that kind of stuff. 
And as I said a couple of minutes ago, that the numbers here in the program help you hopefully absorb that, that the total collection of the number of players in any position group is more important than the individual names. George is just too big of a program to be saved by by any one guy. And I think that all that really matters. But obviously, for those people who are really into the weeds and all of this and really paying very close attention to the current state of Georgia football. You, you can't deny that on paper it seems like things have gotten a little harder because of the the collection of injuries, including the two yesterday with Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith. So with that in mind, you know, I, I do think that one of the ways in which Georgia can more easily absorb all of this is by getting the kind of year that you need from your quarterback, JT Daniels. As I said before, Georgia's a program is too big to be saved by any one guy, but football is one of those sports that puts outsized importance and influence on the quarterback position. And, you know, when Joe Burrow does what he does for LSU in 2019, all of a sudden everybody has a better year because of that. And you got like, you know, uh, Jamar Chase was barely a top 100 recruit. He's winning the Bolitnikoff Award. And, you know, Justin Jefferson, who was a three-star recruit, he's becoming a first-round pick. And, you know, similar situation with Alabama a year ago that when you get the big-time performance from your quarterback, all of a sudden a lot of other potential issues for your program, they're just obscured into the periphery because quarterback makes things run so well. Quarterback helps erase and disguise things that might not be perfect. And so with all that in mind, I thought it was interesting the other day, uh, and Connor Riley wrote about this at DogNation.com. You should read his story about this. But ESPN and talking about the most important players of the upcoming season, the guy they ranked at the very top of that list was Georgia quarterback JT Daniels. Bill Conley was the writer. I want to read you a sentence that Conley writes about Daniels. This is a good way for us to wrap up our program here today. He says, if Daniels turns small sample dominance, playing well last year in the four games he started, into large sample prowess, the dogs have everything they need. Once again, that's Bill Conley from ESPN. Now, that last sentence, the dogs have everything they need, was written before these injuries. But I don't believe it's any less true, right? I mean, I, I don't think that that the outlook for Georgia is now greatly diminished, no matter how much we were looking forward to seeing a full season with the Darnell Washington. Defense side of the ball, looking forward to seeing a full season's worth of Tyke Smith. Excited for a full season of, of Eric Gilbert. You know, if JT Daniels is JT Daniels, all of a sudden these recent strings of bad news could seem like a distant memory by the time you get to December and January when the season's actually being decided. Now, the one thing I'll add to this is, is that Daniels' importance to me is only matched when it comes to the Georgia football conversation by Todd Monken because a average offensive coordinator makes a great quarterback into an average quarterback. And a great offensive coordinator can make an average quarterback into a great quarterback, that no quarterback is really better than the system that he plays in. So if you're looking for how Georgia absorbs these injuries and these player absences and all the bad news that's occurred over the course of the last couple of weeks, look no further than Munkin, the offense that he builds around JT Daniels, the guy that ESPN calls the most important player in college football. If Daniels is as good as he needs to be, then the number of guys who've gotten injured as of late Maybe that'll matter less by the time you get to the games later on this season that really matter the most. Let me also say this really quick before we get ready to wrap things up here today. Our friends at BetUS, you heard me talk about them a little earlier. And if you watch SEC Country Live, I talk about BetUS all the time. They've been doing this for more than 25 years. They are the really the number one you know online sports book in, in America. And one of the things that's made them that way are 
all of the players who keep coming back year after year because of the incentives and the perks that BetUS provides. And it's not just college football, although we're getting ready for that. It's um, you know, it's all the sports that are going on, preseason NFL and, of course, uh, baseball down the stretch, UFC and everything else. And my encouragement to you is to take advantage of the great offer they have when you're a new player. You're going to get a big first deposit bonus of 125%. That means you put $100 in, they're going to give you an additional $125 on top of that as, an, as, as a big first-time deposit bonus. So make sure you ch- take advantage of that. But here's how you got to do it. you got to go to BetUS.com. That's the website, BetUS.com, and use the promo code DN125 to take advantage of that offer. The DN, of course, stands for Dog Nation, 125. DN125. Use that code at BetUS.com, and you can take advantage of that today. Good luck as you get your bets down. Uh, you can check out the Georgia-Clemson point spread that I talked about earlier in the show when you go to the website, BetUS.com. But use the promo code DN125 to get a big 125% bonus on that initial deposit. All right, let's wrap it up here today, and we'll do so with our Gator Hater Roll Call. And as we sometimes do, our golden shoe just kind of ends up being whatever it needs to be. Quick backstory on this. So last Thursday, we did uh, cover four live, and Connor Riley, one of our Dog Nation colleagues, was eating dinner during the show. Now, not everybody likes to see people eating on camera or whatever else, and so some uh, of our audience was kind of giving Connor a hard time about that, and they also understand that one of our great sponsors, Marco's Pizza, was uh, you know a, a part of what we do here, and so some folks kind of got together and said, "Hey, maybe we need to kind of you know show Connor some love by also connecting to one of our great sponsors." So let me show you this on Twitter. This was really funny. UGA uh, Vidal Fan 5 gives you the Connor eating the pizza from last Thursday with the Marco's Pizza location in the background. This is really well done. Very funny for a Golden Shoe Award winner today. Great job there. By the way, speaking of the lousy stinking Gators, Gator Hater countdown 72 days from now. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. i got to confess one thing. So here's the thing that sometimes frustrates me, and it's really my responsibility to fix this and not anybody else's, but sometimes I feel like people kind of hear what they want to hear. And one of the things that you know I get a little feedback on, you know, on a show like this, and I got some of this on video today, that's why I'm telling you this now on the podcast, is people assume that what I said was all a way of basically disregarding the injuries and making it seem like Georgia was going to still be fine, and they define fine as beating Clemson, winning the national championship, things like that. And I really try to make it clear that that's not necessarily what I think. As I said off the top of the program, we just can't easily predict what's going to happen for Georgia. And that scenario was the same even before these players got hurt, that they're are moments in recent Georgia history when guys step in for injured players and it goes great, better than you could have assumed. Uh, there are moments like last year when injuries pile up and sure enough, it works out the way that common opinion would have assumed. Uh, Georgia struggled without some key players there. That you know these things have a way of swinging one way or the other. But to the person kind of viewing this from ten thousand feet above, whether it's a stat geek analyst type or a gambler who's looking to find an edge and make some money for the most part there won't be hysteria by non-georgia fans over these injuries a tight end or an extra defensive back a star a nickel back or you know even a starting center although i as i told you before that you know i think the erickson injury is probably the, the key to all of this the most key of any of this that these kinds of injuries won't move the needle 
from people who view college football from kind of an analytic perspective. They view Georgia as a slight underdog to Clemson. That's still going to be the case. I don't think you see Clemson move up to a 7 or a 10-point favor. You don't see the wild swing in that game the way that, for instance, Alabama has leapt to even bigger favorite against Miami. You won't see that kind of line movement for, um, you know, for Georgia in that game against Clemson. And, you know, the outlook that Georgia is one of the best teams in the country, but not the best team in the country, not an odds-on favorite to make the college football playoff. Georgia's going to kind of continue to be somewhat slotted where they are. The one thing that's hard for us to process is, is the average, you know, gambler type, analytic type, whatever else, kind of assumes that whoever replaces Darnell Washington while Washington's not playing or Eric Gilbert while Gilbert's not playing or Tyke Smith while he's not playing, that whoever replaces those guys is a UGA-level player. That's the assumption that gets made here. We obsess over the names. Other people just kind of make the assumption based on what typical Georgia production has been. And typical Georgia production could have led to a win against Clemson or could have led to a loss. The game was difficult to predict before. It remains difficult to predict. The end-of-season results for Georgia, do they replicate what happened in 2018, 2019, 2020? Or is this the year that finally things get better and Georgia gets back to the playoff? That was a possibility before. Believe it or not, I think it still remains a possibility. This would not be the most miraculous thing that's ever occurred if Georgia were to make the college football playoff after what it's dealt with here in the late stages of the summer. But it's also expected that Georgia, even with all these guys healthy, could have still finished second in the SEC, fifth best in the country, playing in a New Year's Six Bowl, but still dreaming of getting over the hump to win a national championship. Everything that was in play for Georgia before is still in play now. And the same lack of certainty that we have now is kind of the same lack of certainty that we probably should have had before. There is a reason that we have to watch the games, and um, injuries make that no less so. So let me take a couple of comments related to all of this. Um, uh, Roll Dog writes in to say, is Kirby Smart just making practice too hard, resulting in all these injuries? That must be the case as it happens all the time. We know how stubborn he is and his reluctance to change anything. Uh, he says this $1,000 weekend in Charlotte's looking dire. And, you know, obviously a lot of folks have spent big to go to the game against Clemson. And I, I do truly believe this, that, look, I wake up every single morning. I read everything about Georgia football that I can. Most of you are the same way. Many of you certainly are the same way. And so we can tell you every single injury that Georgia is dealing with. But I can't tell you every single injury that Ohio State's dealing with. Um, if their starting quarterback got hurt, I'd certainly hear about that. But if their starting left guard was out, you know, maybe I'd hear about that, maybe I wouldn't. That we have a tendency to think that Georgia has way more injuries than any other team in college football. And I just don't know that that's true. Uh, South Carolina's lost the starting quarterback. Um, Alabama has its best defensive lineman. Um, you know, on and on we could go here with, you know, uh, Florida's uh, – going to be without Brenton Cox at least for I don't even know what's going on with Cox now but uh you know he was reported to have been dealing with an injury that it seems like that Georgia has way more but a lot of that is just kind of related to the fact that we're just paying more attention to those injuries and I know that's hard to believe and I can't obviously verify it because I can't tell you the injury report for every single team in college football but I do believe that's the case and I said this on one of our platforms yesterday. I don't know if it's the podcast cool down or not. I do not blame any team, Georgia or any other team, when you have a series of injuries. I do not blame any team for those injuries because 
for the most part, you know, these are professional sports scientists and coaches at all these programs. They're not going to put their players in harm's way. But even if you take, you know, all of the best practices and assume that as a given, you can't prevent all injuries. You just can't do it. And I know that's not really what people want to hear. Uh, it just feels better to have something or someone to blame. But there are plenty of things that happen in football that can't really be blamed on anything. They just sort of happen. And I don't think there's anything above that list uh, more so than injuries. So I know there's a tendency to say, well, Georgia must have done something to cause this. That's essentially like, you know, saying that you're cursed, right? I mean, it's like, you know, just because something bad happens to you doesn't mean you're cursed. And just because you have an injury doesn't mean you did something to cause it. I mean, uh, I could walk out of this building today and slip and fall, but, you know, it does, doesn't necessarily mean that I was, you know, doing something to put myself in harm's way there. Uh, Seth Rhodes uh, agrees with the idea that, um, you know, the the outlook for Georgia may not be changed too much with all this. He says the challenge has got a little tougher, but there's still a game to be played. That's how heroes are made. And it is a possibility. As I said before, you know, uh, in the regular show, uh, you know, no one could have foreseen that Nick Chubb would go on to have the kind of year he had in 2014 before Todd Gurley got suspended. We were pleasantly surprised by that. Now, sometimes we're, you know, our worst fears are realized when a, when a big-time player steps away. But it's the drama and intrigue that makes college football entertaining. I also tweeted yesterday about the, uh, you know, the Braves after Acuna got hurt and the fact they were four games back in the National League East. Now they're two and a half games up, or at least they were yesterday, in the National League East. And uh, someone with a Twitter handle of Mike Griffith is a clown writes in to say that because I made a comparison between college football and Major League Baseball that I am a clown. Uh, far be it from me to try to use some sort of analogy. I apologize to Mike Griffith is a clown for that, but. I guess now there'll be a BA as a clown Twitter handle coming in very soon on the basis of that. Uh, Deshaun Thomas writes in to say, I feel like this is a psychological type game. Kirby is uh, uh, because one player in a boot, now uh, back another player with a sprain the following week, he's back. Eric goes away and it wouldn't surprise me by sometime next week, he's back. And, uh, you know, so is uh, other guys there as well. I mean, look, I, I think here's the um, thing that I believe. When it comes to coaches trying to play games with their opponent, here's the one thing that I think is somewhat true. That if you assume a player is healthy, there's a chance he might actually be injured. But if you assume a player is hurt, that he probably definitely is hurt. In other words, that by the time an injury rumor or report or whatever else leaks out, it's almost always true, right? It's like when you wonder, well, how well will so-and-so play in this game? It's almost never 100%. I mean, and y'all might can think of some counterexamples that I'm not thinking of. But for the most part, you know, when we were left to wonder how significant an injury is going to be, we typically find out, yeah, the injury probably was, you know, about what it was initially reported. And any attempt to keep that secret was, you know, it, it just failed. That, that there are players who are hurt that we don't know about. But there are very few players that we think are hurt that are actually 100% healthy. That's just at least been my experience there. But interesting stuff kind of all the way around. Kirby Smart will talk more about this on Saturday. We'll get a chance to hear from him on that then. Of course, I always welcome your feedback, whether it be in the comments section at dognation.com or here on Twitter at dognationdaily. Very, very good chatter. Appreciate you being a part of it with us. And we'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp uh, and our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cooldown. Find them online, rsandrews.com. Uh, air conditioning unit hot right now 
air conditioning units working overdrive. Of course, your tired system may be about done on its last legs, beyond its life expectancy. Breathe some new life into it by getting it tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp.